Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep? Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference. Yes, yeah. otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, I think lots of parents can relate yeah. to that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. Kindling Helpline is brought to you by Emla Anesthetic Patches and Creams when your little one needs to be brave. Emla is there to ease the pain of vaccinations and blood tests. And of course, use only as directed. Hello and welcome to Kindling Helpline with Mother Craft Nurse Chris Minogue. Chris has over 30 years experience helping families with everything from bringing a newborn home to toddler tantrums and more. I'm Siobhan Hunt. If you've got a question for Chris, be sure to email us. It's conversation at kindling.com.au. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. First up, we have a question from Sarah about her 15-month-old. She says, how do I get my 15-month-old to sleep in her own bed? She falls asleep okay, then wakes every 20 minutes. Mm. Um, Please help. We (laughs) don't want to do controlled crying. Okay. So I'm assuming bed is a cot and not a bed. 15 months would be very young to be in a bed, wouldn't it? Yeah. So I think the first thing is if she is in a bed, she needs to go back to a cot. But let's assume it's a cot and that this is a typical behaviour of, well, not typical, but it's a behaviour of 15-month-old. I think lots and lots of people ring me and say they want their problem fixed, but they don't want to do controlled crying. And I totally get that. Who wants their child to be crying? But I think the first thing is we need to be able to give her a little bit of time to see if she can put herself to sleep. And in that, they will probably cry because the needs of going to sleep have been different. So we're changing the concept. So would we do control crying? No, because we haven't done anything else beforehand. Do we need to give her a few minutes to try and get herself to sleep? Yes, because otherwise we're going to end up putting her to sleep. So you're not really changing the pattern of behaviour. So in this case, I'd make sure the environment was right, that her, you know, she was eating well, she was sleeping well, that she was getting enough sleep in the day. And then what I do is I take the cues that she knows about going to sleep and I start to slowly turn them around on themselves So say, and we're not sure what happens here for her to go to sleep, but say she gets um, breastfed, cuddled, rocked to sleep and then put down. Then I would start by going, okay, well, we need to stop the breastfeeding because one, it's age appropriate and two, we're just taking away one of the three things that helps her go to sleep. So I might spend a week just rocking her, calming her, but not doing the breastfeed and then put her down. Hands on her in her cot, giving her a little bit of a rock and a pat because I need to be able to give her some sort of comfort in the cot once I make that transition to independent sleeping. So I take a week and I might have taken one step away from the, say, three things that gets this child to sleep and we're not quite sure what that is. The second week I take away, I might rock her for only a few minutes, then I put her down, put my hands on her and rock her and pat her because I've been doing that for a week. So I'm transitioning the thought pattern from where she was to where we want her to go. And then the last week we need to be able to put her in the bed in the safe environment, in the room that you want her to sleep. And then I would pop her into bed, maybe give her a comfort toy because she's used to a lot of contact. Um... A little comfort toy, give her a few minutes 
to be able to self-settle, and I literally mean a few minutes, excuse me if I sneeze, um, a few minutes for like two or three minutes, and then I would go in and I would rock and pat first to see if she will take that comfort. And if she doesn't and gets hysterical, she's 15 months old, she will, and she'll run away from you, she'll crawl away from you so you can't rock and pat her, then I would pick her up, give her a little comfort cuddle, so I'm not cuddling her back to sleep, but I'm giving her a comfort, then putting her back in the bed and then, you know, staying with her for longer and then repeat that process. But there will be crying involved. She'll either be crying because you're in the room with her or she'll be crying because you might have left her for a couple of minutes. So it all depends on what in your head you think controlled crying is. So we certainly wouldn't start with putting her in a room, shutting the door and let her cry for, I don't know, 10 minutes and then going back and pointing our finger and saying go to sleep because it's too far from what she knows about going to sleep. So each of these are very individual on how you turn it around. But take the cue sign she has, then you're going to slowly flip them around and give her some independent comfort in the bed that you want her to sleep in. And then you keep taking away one step and you're giving her a little bit of independence and the comfort needs to be in a bed like rocking and patting or shushing and patting in her bed. So the idea is then she's not attached to anything so she wakes up, she can self-settle? Yeah, she can self-settle within a couple of minutes. So at 15 months it's not easy. I have to say you need an idea of how to step it out but that's how I would do it first. Okay, well, good luck with that, Sarah. And feel free to give us a call sometime um, if you want a bit more yeah. guided direction. Then Chris can ask you some more questions. That's right, about how you'd turn that sequence around. Excellent. Dana has a six-year-old. She says, my six-year-old son has been having some difficulties in prep with managing his emotions. He tends to cry or becomes angry whenever he's being told off. He's also struggling with some social interactions in that if he joins a group, he wants to take the lead rather than follow others. This causes him to feel angry when his peers don't listen to him. Are these things developmentally appropriate? Any advice is appreciated. Thank you. I can see that they could be appropriate in that he's, you know, maybe not handling the the effect of a big group and turn-taking and all those types of things. And, And going to prep or big school is a big, big change. So... What I would do in this case, it's so hard because you need so many different circumstances that he does this in. I would start talking to his teachers in prep and see whether they think it's appropriate for what he's doing. So if that, if it's sending some little alarm bells to them, then they'll probably be able to tell you what to do next. So some of those behaviours are completely normal. It's how often he's doing it, how frequently he's doing it, that probably counts in the, in the, in the long term. So in this case, I would talk to his teachers at the prep class and see what they have to say because they see this age group all the time and they see new kids coming into a group and how to cope and how to give them strategies and little boys can be emotional much more than little girls be emotional little girls are more demanding you know like it's my way or no way (laughs) little boys tend to break up and cry a little bit more about it so speak to his teachers and see where they where they sit him within you know his age group and I think that might give you an idea of what to do next. Good luck with that Dana. Um, This question comes from Nisha. My eight-month-old son constantly tugs on his ear at the back of his head. He doesn't have any teeth yet. Is this something I should be concerned about? When he does start teething what should I do to help manage the pain? Anything else I need to watch out for? Thanks Nisha. So tugging at the ear can be just a um, you know, comfort thing they do. It could be a sign of tiredness. It's not often a sign of teething. 
and it could be a sign that he's got a little bit of fluid in his ear and it's irritating him, so he pulls his ear. So the first thing I'd do if he does it constantly is I'd video it, video it a couple of different times in a couple of different situations, and then I'd go and have his ears checked by your GP and just make sure there's no fluid on his ear and nothing irritating him in the ear. Then generally speaking, if he's doing it and it's not bothering him, it's probably just something he's doing for comfort and it'll disappear in time. Teething, on the other hand, it is appropriate that he could be teething. So teething um, can occur as early as four or five months, but that's usually hereditary and generally occurs between seven and nine months. So he's definitely in that window of teething. Um, But usually they're very irritable. So they're irritable. They can go off their feeding. They can go off their... um, you know, they're they're, uh, feeding with a spoon or feeding as in milk feeds. Um, They're irritable both day and night. So lots of people ring me and say their baby's teething at two in the morning, but they're perfectly happy all the rest of the time. They're not teething. So they're usually irritable. usually goes over a couple of days and they can have anything from a constant finger in their mouth through to a swollen gum, through to some babies who just wake up in the morning, have two teeth and nobody even knew they had given birth to them. So it's very varied, but it usually occurs within a couple of days. So if he's only doing it for a couple of days and then you see a tooth, then he's probably just his ears were irritated from the movement in his gums. Um what can she do to help him manage the pain if and when he starts teething? We usually give them some sort of pain relief, which can come as gels, powders, or a medication version of it. So maybe speak to your pharmacist or your GP, Nisha, yeah, and find yeah. out what's appropriate for his age. Um, I remember someone, uh, friends in my mother's group, someone had um, frozen slices of banana yeah, to chew on, to chew cold on. and... But that won't get rid of the pain. That'll just numb the area. And you can't do that day and night. So that's more like a comfort thing, like um, cold toys, cold slithers of orange do it where they're sucking on it. But generally, if it's in that much pain, they need some something more than that to help them. Okay. Well, good luck, Nisha. Um, if he starts teething soon, I hope that all goes well for you. <laughs> this is Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Here on Helpline, Chris takes your questions about everything from settling and weaning to help with travel and routine. To ask Chris your questions, you can email us at conversation at kindling.com.au. This next question comes from Upama, who says, how do I get, how do I get my four-year-old to feed himself? He wants me <laughs> to feed him each and every meal. I used to do that, but now we have a 10-week-old baby as well, and I am just at my wit's end. So partly, to be fair to him, if somebody's been feeding him for four years and a baby comes along, why would you not feed him? So that's, you know, where he's coming from. Why, why wouldn't you feed me just because a baby's come along when you fed me for four years? But he's four and he doesn't need to be fed. So what you need to do is probably do a transition. So outside of the meal time, I'd be saying to him, you're four years old now and it's time for you to eat. You know, I wouldn't necessarily say eat like a big boy because sometimes they'll go, well, I'll just play like a baby. <laughs> so um, it's time for you to eat, you know, use your knife and fork or eat the way that the family want to eat. But the one thing I would do is sit beside him while he's doing it. But I wouldn't fix it for him. So outside of the mealtime, I've told him that things are changing and how you want them to change. You know, sit down at the table. Mummy, you'll have your dinner ready. I'll sit beside you. So you've given him an idea that things have changed. Then don't fix it for him. So if he sits there for 20 minutes and doesn't eat the meal, 
then the next uh, the next meal he'll be hungry enough and he'll eat better. And as soon as he eats a little bit of it, give him some praise. Well, that was very good you ate that sandwich. Mummy's very proud of you. And then just move on. So to be fair to him, it's a big upheaval. Mum's feeding a baby. She's not feeding me. Uh, she was feeding me and now she's not feeding me. So give this a little bit of time and patience. I'm sure it's going to turn itself around. Don't blame the newborn baby. <laughs> this question comes from Lisa. Any tips on how to get my two-year-old to sleep past 6am? The little rug rat sleeps around 7.45 and will sleep through the night, but up at 6, still taking a mid- midday nap around two to three hours. Dad wakes early around 5.30 and I wonder if that's what it is. He's maybe waking her up when he wakes up. Um, well, the first thing is that six o'clock is really reasonable. So to be fair, I'd be putting him to bed earlier at night. But again, he's another one that's having a lot of sleep in the middle of the day. So that's probably why. So at his age, I'd just restrict it. How old? Two. Two. I'd restrict it down to two hours and I'd have him awake by... 2, 2, 2.30 and have him in bed at 7.30. Um, but 6 o'clock is actually really reasonable if he's sleeping through the night. But he probably needs to go to bed just a fraction earlier and to do that decrease his day sleep. And, you know, lots of people dream of sevens, but not a lot of people get sevens. I was going to say my kids still wake up yeah. at 6 and they're 4 How and do half they and know <laughs> that it's one minute past 6? How yeah. do they Bing. know? They're so awake. I think he is doing reasonably. But I think he's also having, you know, a lot of sleep in the day if he's going over two hours. This is Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue. I'm Siobhan Hunt. To ask Chris your questions, you can email us at conversation at kindling.com.au. We'll be right back after this. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. Our next question comes from Leah. My 21-month-old son is into everything at the moment, touching the TV, PowerPoints, leaning over the sound system. I tell him no and to get back from to get from there, but he'll just look at me, smile or smirk, and then go back to what he was doing. How can I stop this without yelling no? He also has inner ear congestion, so not sure also if he can hear me all the time or not. Oh, I'm fairly sure he can hear you. (laughs) Well, he can hear the word no. But to be fair to him, he's 21 months and no doesn't really work unless he's in danger or is about to do something that's dangerous. So what I do is sit on the floor, look at all the things he gets into that you don't want him to get into and move them. So he's only 21 months old. He's not going to understand no constantly and remember how to do it. The television is a big one, um, so you need to maybe instead of saying no, as he t- goes towards the television, distract him and say, come over here and play with the puzzle, so you distract him away from it. If the speakers are on a stand, he's always going to go for them, so move them out of the way. So sit on the floor, lay on the floor, whatever at his height, look around, look at everything around you and think, what do I need to move so that I'm not always saying no? Because the other thing that happens is if he only hears the word no, he'll just block it out and ignore it, which sounds like what he's doing. So when you really need to use the word no, such as in danger, or if he's doing something that could be dangerous to somebody else, he's not going to listen to you. So things like, can you put your feet on the ground. Can you show mummy how you put your feet on the ground? Is them jumping on the chairs. 
if they're standing on the couch, can you put your bottom on the on the seat? Can you show me how your bottom goes on the seat? So what you're doing is you're not using the word no all the time. And therefore, when you do use it, when he might be in danger of something falling on him or climbing up on something that's dangerous, he'll actually listen to you. So it's just using that art of distraction to get around the behaviours you're looking for and move the things out of his way that he's constantly going to. 21-month-olds, boys especially. They are so busy. They are very busy. Good luck, Leo. I mean, at least you'll get to sit down on the floor for a minute. Yeah, that's a good thing. As you look for the things to to fix. (laughs) Um, This question comes from Amrita. My one-year-old always goes down for naps and bedtime by herself, but quite often wakes at night. Not always, but perhaps four nights out of seven. That's quite a bit still. Um, She can sleep by herself for long stretches during the day as well. Unfortunately, when she wakes, she can be awake for more than an hour, even if I'm with her before she goes back to sleep. It is mysterious because some nights she sleeps through and others she doesn't, and it is impossible to tell what makes the difference. There's a mystery for you. It's not a mystery. Most one-year-olds do that. Right. So, again, like the other questions, considering the sleep that she has in the day, make sure she doesn't oversleep because obviously if they oversleep in the day, then they're going to have the ability to stay awake for a long time at night, even though what woke them could be quite trivial. Most one-year-olds, I think you should hear them knock about at night. They might even call out for a few minutes and go back to sleep. But getting up four times at night to her because she's up for a long period of in the day is probably erring on that sequence of what's happening during the day. She says um, four nights out of seven, so yeah. I'm not sure if how many times she's waking at night. Yeah, but she is waking more often than not in the week. Yes. In the week, she's waking more often than, than not. Yes. So the first thing is I'd go back and rethink about, firstly, the timing, and the second thing is what response she gets from you when she wakes up. So if the response is, I get out of bed, I get a cuddle, I get a feed, then she's going to continue until that happens. If the response is, I sort myself out for five or six minutes, mum comes in, lays me down, gives me a pat and walks out for another five or six minutes, then she's going to at least have the ability to go back to sleep. So it depends on what the response is that she gets from the parents as to why she stays awake for an hour. But the first thing I do is look at the timing. And then the second thing I'd do if all that was nice and neat, she needs about three hours sleep in the day, three to three and a half hours sleep in the day, then I would probably go with what response are we giving her and should we pull back a little bit on that response. Well, thanks for the question, Amrita. And remember, you can call us. So if um, try these these things on, but also more detail is really good. So if you want to call us on 1-800-KIDS-RADIO next Monday, um, Chris can try and tweak this a little bit more for you. It's always easier when we can speak to you in person. This is a question from Karen. My seven-month-old baby girl used to be able to settle herself but na- or self-settle, but now screams out for me during nap and bedtime, put down and occasionally at night for comfort and is still on two feeds a night. Do we start sleep training all over again or delay it for the eight-month sleep regression due to HIT? Don't know about the eight-month sleep regression, so you never know. She might just sleep through eight months. 
Um, so you're saying that in your experience, eight, there there isn't such a thing as an eight-month sleep regression? There isn't. <laughs> In our training, there is no regressions, so there's an enlightening fact for people um, in a professional sense. So there's a four-month awareness, which people call aggression, a regression, but certainly not as it goes on. I think that's um, more about people talking and when things become difficult, then they call it a regression. So the good news is that if we fix this, Nothing might happen. They might just learn to sleep through the night and stay sleeping through the night. She still gets two feeds at night, so she does get a response from waking, but she must wake frequently for her to get those two feeds plus extras that are happening. So this sounds more like just a, you know, a sleep-associated problem. So um, I think it's at a point at seven months, if she's getting four sucking feeds during the day, or four milk feeds during the day and three meals, that we can start to wean her off at least one of her night feeds. And that will give you a bigger window to be consistent about getting her to self-settle. And again, I'd start with little windows and work them up and giving her more comfort in her cot than picking her up. But if it gets too distressive, pick her up, give her a little cuddle and put her down. And a few nights of doing that might just help turn this around. But I certainly would be weaning her off one of those night feeds and in the distant near future weaning her off all the night feeds because then it'll be more consistent. She'll get more consistency in her overall night pattern and her association with how she goes to sleep. And don't wait, Karen, is what don't wait. this is saying. Don't wait for eight months. Just no, no. Over it now. No, because it won't be a regression. It'll just be a follow-on from what you're doing. She's just going to get older and wiser and no more. So, yeah, I wouldn't be waiting. And there's loads of babies that do not regress. We always wonder what happens to those babies. <laughs> Their parents are going, yes. <laughs> this question comes from Catherine. Any advice for a four-year-old who is dominating slash controlling his friends and antagonizing them because they give him a reaction? Oh. He struggles when he's not the leader or in charge. This sounds like another question we've had recently. I think it's really appropriate for four-year-olds to be like that. They're trying to work out who's who's the boss. Um, I think all you can do is sometimes we have to stand back and let the kids sort it out themselves as long as there's no physical violence and no one's going to be hurt. And the second thing is if it gets a little bit out of control for him is to maybe remove him, maybe very gently say, look, you're just not coping here in this situation, you know, the park and he wants to lead going on the swing. So maybe it's time for us to go home. And by that, you're removing him from it. It gives him time to think about what happened. You're not discipline him so to speak but you're just saying at the moment you're not quite there to me it sounds a little bit like an immaturity and over the next couple of months you might find it turns around and also if they play with kids that are a bit older than them they often learn to follow so often a four-year-old plays really well with a six-year-old and they'll follow and they'll learn those cues through playing with some older kids not not eight-year-olds but definitely six-year-olds and when it's getting out of control, I think I would step in and just say, look, let's go because this isn't working. And then later when he's calmer, maybe help him with a few strategies on what happens when it's not working for him. So things like, you know, if they're not listening, maybe just take a bit of time away, come over to mummy, sit with mummy for a few minutes and then go back again. But actually when he comes to sit with you, you can give him a few more ideas on how to do it. And if he's dominating over the group, then I'd just remove him. So I think it is age appropriate. 
And I think when he's out of control, we have to take over and say, okay, it's out of control. We need to remove you gently. Good luck, Catherine. I have a four and a half year old boy, so I know it can be tough. This is Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue on Kindling Conversation. We only have time for one more question, but you can always email us during the week at conversation at kindling.com.au for the next helpline with Chris. Our last question comes from Jackie, who has a two and a half year old. Um, they are refusing to use the potty. What would you suggest to try to potty train him? Uh, he's a two-year-old boy, two-and-a-half-year-old boy. I just put him on the toilet. Um, I'm not a big fan of potties unless you ha- you've got an upstairs and a downstairs and you don't have a downstairs toilet because if you go out, he's going to have to sit on a toilet. So two-and-a-half-year-old boy, he may actually not be ready. Boys could be ready anywhere between two-and-a-half and three and some take a lot longer than others. So there's all these things that we take into account and also about the technique that we're using to toilet train him. So have we toilet timed him first and then toilet trained him or have you just gone straight into toilet training? All of these factors will give, you know, an idea of how we solve this problem. So for me, I put them, I get a little seat and a little soft insert on the toilet. I start with just putting him on the toilet when I run the bath. While, he's, while you're running the bath, you're sitting chatting. Once he's doing a wee there, then I increase the toilet time. So we're going to the park, would you like to try for a wee? We're going to have lunch, would you like to try for a wee? So I'm, I'm leading him, would you like to? Usually they say no, but, you know, I'm usually talking and walking at the same time. And then the last part was where I toilet train him. So I leave the toilet available so the door's open and I say, you tell mummy when you need to go to the toilet. So we're putting it a little bit on him to go to the toilet. We're going to have a few accidents in the first few days, but, you know, generally they get the idea. So I think the first thing I'd assess is whether he's actually ready to be able to toilet train. Certainly two and a half is about the right time and it's summer, so that's really good as well. But if he's really resisting, how about we put everything away for a month and then get it out in a month and start with toilet timing and then move through to toilet training. Good luck, Jackie. It's always great when you finally get to get rid of all those nappies. <laughs> Thanks to everyone who wrote in and asked their questions for Chris. If we didn't get to your question, you can always find Chris's advice for other tricky situations on our website under Kindling Helpline. Chris, thank you so much for your time. Always a pleasure. You can get in touch with your questions during the week by emailing us at conversation at kindling.com.au. Kindling Helpline was brought to you by Emla Anesthetic Patches and Creams. When your little one needs to be brave, Emla is there to ease the pain of vaccinations and blood tests. And of course, use only as directed. You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website. Just head to kindling.com.au.